Thank you, Brother. Great job tonight. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are. Lord, tonight we are thankful that you are great, for you are creator. Lord, I'm also thankful you are so good to us because you're our Father. Lord, help us to remember not just what you do for us, but who you are, how good you are, how gracious you are, how loving you are. Thank you for doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come together this evening. Thank you for the truth of your word. And we're asking, Lord Jesus, right now, that you would have your way and your will in these services. In Jesus' name we pray and for your sake. Amen. Good evening to you. That is weak, but good evening to you. Thank you so much, man. It's good to be here with y'all tonight. Good to see all of you back out uh, tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study. As I told you so many times before, this is always my favorite service of the week, and I'm glad to be able to stand behind the open Bible uh, before you one more time this evening and share what the Lord has put upon my heart. Can't wait to see what God is going to do in the service. So if you have your Bibles, take them with me, please, and turn to Hebrews chapter number 4. Now, my plan this evening is not to focus on all of Hebrews 4 for the first 11 verses where we already kind of talked about a whole lot last week. And um, this is really just a continuation of what we learned last time we were together in Hebrews chapter number 3. In Hebrews chapter 3, we saw plainly uh, that... The nation of Israel, the children of God, provoked God to anger while they were in the wilderness. And we remember what the wilderness was. It's when they were brought from Egypt to the promised land. In the middle of that journey, it's called the wilderness. And it's outlined for us all the way back over in the book of Exodus. And we see that God was provoked to anger and the people missed out on God's best for their life for, for several reasons. First of all... Uh, we saw last time we were together that they missed out on God's best because of unbelieving hearts. They chose not to trust in who God is and what God has said. They chose not to believe uh, in, in what God had told them that he was going to do. And it cost them. And not only was it for their unbelieving heart, but also we saw because of their stubborn attitude. Their stubborn attitude caused them to miss out on God's best, but also because of their grumbling mouths. I mean, they were continually grumbling against God and grumbling against Moses. And those three things caused them to miss out on God's best for them. And really what the writer does in, in chapter 4 of these first 11 verses, he warns us against that. And really what he's saying is, look, don't have an unbelieving heart. Don't have a stubborn spirit. Don't have a grumbling mouth like those people had, for you will suffer the same consequence that they once suffered. And folks, we've got to remember that. I'm telling you. It's important that we take note of that in our own life. May we not have unbelieving hearts, and we certainly shouldn't have grumbling mouths toward the Lord, and we don't need to have stubborn spirits. For when we do, God allows us to make our choices, but we need to understand our choices have consequences. And that's what he warns about in these first 11 verses. I'm just going to really quickly read through that with you, and then we'll get into what I really want to share with you tonight. Let us therefore fear, lest that a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Man, what a powerful verse. 
For the Word of God to work in your life, guess what it has, uh, has to happen? It has to be mixed with faith. Amen? We've got to uh, act like God is telling the truth and apply His truth unto our lives. And, and these people missed out on all that God had for them in the promised land because they chose to not believe and didn't mix the preaching of the Word of God with faith. Man, it's so sad. Verse 3, For we which have the, uh, believed do enter into rest, as He said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, also all the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For He spake in a certain place in the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all His works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. So there's the warning again. Verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And if there's a warning that, again, that we, we need to take note of, we see it right there in that verse. Do not harden your heart. Anytime you hear God's truth and choose to reject God's truth as such, every time you do that, you harden your heart just a little bit more. And so he warns, don't continually harden your heart. When God gives you truth, accept it, believe it, and apply it unto yourself. Can you see it? That was true for them, but it's true for us. Remember, the Bible is not just what God has said, but it's what God is saying right now today. We'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Look on down to verse 7. Again, he limited, or excuse me, verse 8. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Verse 9. Therefore remaineth, therefore rest for the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So warning after warning after warning, don't do what they did. Don't walk in unbelief. Hey, listen, don't have a stubborn spirit. Don't have grumbling mouths. Trust the Lord and enter in into all the good things God has for you. Then in verse number 12, he brings up the subject that is one of my favorites. He brings up the subject of the very Word of God. This book that I have in my hand, and I hope and pray the book that you have in your hand tonight, uh, has been called many things. I've called it many things. Sometimes we call it the Bible. We all have heard that term. Sometimes we call it uh, the revelation of God. And I, I, I've said that myself. I've called it that. I've heard it called that. Sometimes we call uh, the Bible the Holy Scriptures. And, and I want to tell you something. If you've heard it called that, or you've called this book that any one of those things yourself, then you've called it exactly right. It is all of those things. It is God's Holy Scriptures. It is God's revelation of Himself. It is the Bible. All of that would be true. But tonight what I want to do is give you God's favorite name for this book. God's favorite name for this book. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not going to ask you to turn to all of these scriptures this evening. Nathan, if you can, brother, please uh, throw this up on the screen if, if you have time to do so. If not, guys, just jot this down and go back and look at it later. But I'm just going to go through several verses where God calls the Bible the Word of God. Look what it says. Mark 7, 13. Jesus speaking here. Here we have the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
speaking the written word. He says to the scribe and the Pharisee, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 1. Here's another great verse that I love. When God calls, listen to me now, the Bible, the word of God. And it came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. Acts chapter 4. And verse number 31, after the, the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, was fully come, and the Holy Spirit had come, and the church was born. And in Acts chapter 4, God's doing a great work there in Jerusalem. Look what the Bible says in verse 31. And when they, they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake what? The Word of God with boldness. I love that verse. Acts chapter 12, verse number 24. Look what this says. Acts 12, 24. But the Word of God grew and multiplied. Again, here is God calling the Bible, calling the Scriptures that you are reading, His precious Word. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. You need to write this verse down. If you don't have it underlined, underline it, circle it, put a star by it, do something because this is a big one. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So what, is God, what does God call the Bible? The Word of God. Over and over and over and over again. Colossians 1.25, a great verse. Man, make sure you get this one. I love this one. Look what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Wherefore, whereof I made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, watch this now, to fulfill the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 23, another great verse. Look what it says. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God. It's the Word of God. That's the seed that brings eternal life to those who receive it by faith. That's what it's talking about. Which liveth and abides forever. I love that verse. Let me give you my favorite verse, though. It comes from Revelation chapter 20. And verse number 4, watch what this says. At least one of my favorite verses. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Let me tell you something. Regardless of what we face in this life, it pays to serve Jesus. Bible says those who stand for Jesus, follow Jesus, and stand on and for the Word of God will reign with Him forever. Wow. So, would you agree with me tonight that God, who gave the Scripture by His inspiration, continually over and over and over again, calls His inspiration, the Bible, the Word of God? That's what He says, isn't it? Whether it comes from the mouth of Jesus or whether it comes from the mouth of the apostles or whether it comes from the mouth of Old Testament prophets. Brother, if you will, please put for me Numbers 6, starting in verse number 22. I gave you these verses uh, last Sunday morning, not all of them, but I think we started in verse 24. But watch this. And the Lord spake unto Moses. So what's it mean? What's that mean? If, if God is speaking, whose words are they? Well, watch what it says. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... 
Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On the this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Whose words are those? God's words. So, but now it came through Aaron and the priesthood. God said, this is, what, this is what I want the priest to speak over the people. This is how I want the priest to bless the people. So whether it comes from Old Testament prophets or priests, or whether it comes from the mouth of Jesus, or whether it comes from the apostles, however it comes throughout all the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, God calls it His Word. He calls it again right here in Hebrews chapter 4. Verse number 12, and that's the verse I want us to look at this evening. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of God. If you believe this is the word of God, say amen. Amen. For the word of God, watch this now. It's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. Man, that is, that's some deep stuff. We're going to talk about all that. But look. And is a discerner of the thought. And intents of the heart. The favorite name for the Bible, as far as God is concerned, is the Word of God. Now, if we say this book is the Word of God, just as Hebrews 4 and 12 and all these other scriptures I've given you has said it, if we say this is the Word of God, then that means something. That implies some things, at least three of them that I want to give you tonight. See, if we say this book is the Word of God, if we say the Bible is the Word of God, that is to say the Bible is absolutely perfect. Let me see if you can follow my logic because this is how I see it. Listen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration. Now, you ought to remember 2 Timothy 3.16. About three months ago, we spent about a month just on 2 Timothy 3.16. Y'all remember, remember that? We are talking about the authority of the Word of God and how we know we can trust the Word of God. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 makes the claim that all Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is inspired by God. Now, God is the God of truth. Now, my logic it says this, that if God is the God of truth, then He cannot, will not, inspire error. If we say this is God's Word, we say He inspired it. And if He is the God of truth, if He is the essence of truth, amen, then He cannot, will not, inspire that which is false. So every word is truth. Now we, we say well, if it comes from, from man, then hey, it can, it can be faulty. If it's man's word, then, then we can find some, listen, uh, uh, some uh, um, things in it that, that, that certainly wouldn't be true. We, we see some falsehoods in man's writings all the time, don't we? Sure. And if you don't believe me, just Look at your next social media, social media feed, whatever that is. Or, or read the internet, the, the, the stories that are written on there tomorrow. There's always falsehoods in man's, in man's writings. I mean, that, that's nothing new. 
But if we say this is God's writing, then we must logically say, if God is truth, He cannot, will not inspire error. So to say the Bible is the Word of God is to say that it's absolutely perfect. Now some's going to say this, well, brother, didn't man write it down? I mean, if men wrote it down, then how can it be God's Word? Well, let me give you the Bible's answer for that. It comes from the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter, excuse me, 2 Peter, chapter number 1, and verse number 21. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 21. Watch what it says here. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Or that means it, wouldn't, it wasn't man's words. It wasn't man's desire to give the words or write down the words they were writing. It was not by man's will, but holy men of God spake as they were what? Moved. Moved. By who? The Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired these men in the Old Testament to prophesy about the coming Christ. It was God the Holy Spirit who inspired the writers of the New Testament to write down the truth of the Christ who came. It was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that inspired the apostles to write those letters to the church, that, those letters that the modern church is based upon today. And it was all God's work by God the Holy Spirit. Even though it was written down by men, that does not take away from the fact that God inspired it. It's God that gave it. So how do we know? And we talked about this before. I hope you remember. How do we know that God gave it? Well, there's all kinds of evidence. There is no way these ancient men who didn't have the knowledge they needed to write down what they wrote could ever write it down and it come true Hundreds and even thousands of years later. The Bible is the only book that tells the ending from the beginning. Men couldn't do that. Men didn't have that power. But God did. It's amazing that God uses mankind to do His work. But His work is done effectively not by our power, but by His. That hasn't changed, has it? That's always been the truth. It's written down by men, but inspired by God. Therefore, it can be and is absolutely perfect. Proverbs 30 and 5, another great verse. Look what Proverbs 30 and 5 says. Every word of God is pure. And He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. If you're looking for a good verse to memorize, that would be a good one this week. Proverbs 30 and 5. Every word of God is pure. It's pure. It's perfect. It's holy. It's righteous. And He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. I love that verse. Powerful verse. Now I've heard a lot of people say, well, Brother Israel, the, the thought of the Word is inspired, but the very words are not inspired. I've heard people make that argument. Well, let me ask you something. How in the world can you have written words without thoughts? 
You can't separate the two, can you? No more than you can have mathematics without numbers. It takes inspiration for thoughts to happen and thoughts then are written down. So, again, the Word of God is just that. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, written down by men. If you believe it, say amen. I believe it's perfect. I believe it's holy. I believe it's righteous. I believe you can put your trust in it. I believe you can use it as a foundation for your life in eternity. I believe wholeheartedly in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of the Lord. Now, so if we say the Bible is the Word of God, then we are saying that it's absolutely perfect if it's God's Word. If we say the Bible is the Word of God, that is to say the Bible has impeccable integrity. What does it mean if something has integrity? It means it's sure. It means it's steadfast. It means it has great character. Can you say amen? And the Bible has amazing character. Let me, let me see if I can illustrate it for you. And I'm just going to use the Word of God in doing so. Now look. Do you realize God calls the written Word, the Bible, the Word of God? The Bible is the written Word, the Word of God. God calls it that. We've already established that with all the scriptures I just gave you. But do you know something else? God also calls His Son the Word of God. Now, Jesus is the living Word. The Bible is the written Word. Both are called the Word. We see that in at least two places in the Word of God. The first one comes in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Brother, put that on the screen more for me. In the beginning was the Word. John here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is speaking of Jesus. And when he speaks of Jesus, he speaks of Jesus being the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And there wasn't anything made that was made unless it was made by Him. The same was in the beginning with God, verse 2 says. And all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So what's the Bible saying there? Jesus, the living Word, is the Word of God. We've already established the written Word is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Now, the living Word, well, He's the Word of God. So what am I trying to tell you? Listen to me, folks. You cannot separate the two. You can't. You can't say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Word. Let me tell you why. Jesus preached the Word. Go back and read what Jesus preached throughout the New Testament when He was preaching. You know what He was preaching? It was the living Word preaching the written Word. It kills me these people who say that they believe in Jesus but don't believe in the Old Testament miracles that God performed. And there's people like that. I've heard people say, I just can't believe that you know, Jonah and the whale and that whole thing happened. I think that's all allegory. I think that was all just to, uh, to, to, to teach us a lesson. It didn't literally happen. Well, listen to me. Jesus thought it literally happened because he preached about it. It amazes me these people that say, you know what? I just don't believe in a literal hell. Well, you got a problem because if you believe in Jesus, you better believe in a literal hell. Jesus preached about a literal hell. 
Matter of fact, he preached a whole lot more about a literal hell than he did heaven. So what I'm trying to tell you is, Jesus believed the written word, preached the written word, and in the written word, the living word is the hero. Over and over and over and over again. You say, brother, I know he's the hero, the, the living word, meaning Jesus is the hero in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is. You'll see it there for sure, but let me tell you something else. He's also the hero in Genesis. Did you know that? You don't believe me? Go back and read in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. God said to Adam and Eve, or said, excuse me, said to Satan, uh, the enemy, he said that he was going to put enmity between the seed of Satan, the seed of the serpent, and the seed of woman. And that the seed of woman would one day crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Let me tell you something. Jesus came being born perfectly through the virgin birth, born of a woman, so that he might live perfect, so that he might go to a cross and pay the sin debt for all mankind. Listen, that sin was what separated us from God, and that sin is what gave Satan the power he had over us. But when Jesus paid the sin debt, listen, then went to the grave and conquered death, hell, and the grave, then now, when he stepped forth from the grave on that first Easter morning, he crushed the head of the enemy. So in Genesis 3.15, Jesus was the hero, hero there also. He's the hero in Genesis. Leviticus. Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, all the way through to Revelation. And the written word, the living word, is the hero. You cannot separate them. Now, don't misunderstand me. I want you to get a hold of this. I am not at all saying that Jesus the living word and the Bible, the written word, are identical. They're not. They are not identical. I don't believe Jesus is the Bible, and I don't believe the Bible is Jesus. Matter of fact, you go deep enough in that, and I think you get heretical by even saying that. Maybe that's a discussion we can have at another time. Or if you want to call me, talk, we'll talk about it. But I'm just saying, they're not identical, but I am saying they are inseparable. You cannot separate the two. If you question the integrity of the written word, you are questioning the integrity of the living word. For the living word preached the written word. If you question the integrity, listen to me now, of the living word, you are questioning the integrity of the written word. Why? Because the written word in it, the living word is the hero. Are you getting what I'm saying? They are not at all identical, but they are inseparable. If one's a fraud, the other's the fraud. And vice versa. So when we say the Bible is the word of God... That is to say it has impeccable integrity. For the written word, the Bible, is called the word of God. And the living word, King Jesus, is called the word of God. Let me see if I can compare them using the word of God. Both the Bible, the written word, and Jesus, the living word, 
have came by, super, by the supernatural work of God the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me share what I mean with that. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. We read this just a minute ago, but let's read it again. 2 Peter 1, 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God's faith, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Ghost. So we see there the written word came by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But also, Jesus, the living word, came by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4 and 4. Galatians 4 and 4. Very powerful verse. Look what the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says here. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So it was through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that the written Word came, but also the living Word came. Both the written Word and the living Word live forever in eternity. They're both eternal. They're, they're unending. The Bible says... In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 25. Watch this right here. Love this verse. 1 Peter 1 25. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass with and the flower faded thereof fall away. But look at verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which, uh, which by the gospel is preached unto you. So what's Peter saying? Peter is saying the written word will always be here. There's never going to come a time when it's not going to be here. It is eternal. Look what the Bible says concerning Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6. This is actually Jesus speaking about himself when he comes to uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. And hath made us, uh, excuse me, Revelation 1 um, verse number 6, And hath made us kings and priests and the God and His Father, to Him be glory and many forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him, and all the kindred of the earth shall rejoice because of Him. And look what He says there in verse number 8. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which is and which was and which is to come. Jesus is eternal, being the living Word. Both are eternal. Both the written word and the living word are unchanging. They cannot change. They will not change. You remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 was being asked about what he felt concerning the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus said, I didn't come to, um, to replace or do away with the Old Testament scriptures. I came to fulfill the Old Testament scriptures. And then he says this, Matthew 5, 18. He says it's easier for one jot, it's easier for the heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot or tittle of the word to fail. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God being unchanging. It's always going to be the, be the same. He says, for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. It does not change. It was true yesterday, it's true today, it will be true tomorrow. That's the written word. What about the living word? Hebrews 13, 8, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. They're both unchanging. Let me give you one more. Both the written word and the living word shine light in dark places. Psalm 119, 105. If you want to look for a great devotional or commentary on the Word of God, the best commentary on the Word of God is what? 
Well, look to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, 105. Look what the scripture says. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The written word shines a light in the dark places. But you know what the living word does too? John chapter 8 and verse number 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that walketh in me shall not walk in darkness. Isn't that good? Folks, what I'm trying to tell you is the Word of God, the Bible, has impeccable integrity. Why? It's called the Word, just like Jesus is called the Word. To say that the Bible is the Word of God is to say that it has absolute, it's absolutely perfect. To say that the Bible is the Word of God is to say that it has impeccable integrity. But to say that the Bible is the Word of God is to say that it has absolute authority. Look at the rest of Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the Word of God is quick. Everybody say quick. quick. He really tells us three separate things here about the Bible, the written Word. It's quick, which means it's alive. How many of you know that, again, this is not just what God has said to some ancient people in foreign lands, but it's what God is saying right here at Mount Zion Baptist Church tonight. It's what God's saying to me. And it's what God is saying to you. It is alive. But then it says it's powerful. What does that mean? It means that it's at work. It's busy doing what it does. Do you remember when uh, the Gideons would always come and, and share about their ministry? Uh, once a year, that always happened in the churches I grew up, grew, up, grew up in. They would always come and share about you know, what God was doing in their ministry, how they was giving the Word of God all over the world, and the amazing things that had happened because of the Word of God being, being uh, brought forth to the people. And they would always give the verse that the Word of God would go out and accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. It will not return void. Why? Because the Word of God is powerful. It's busy. It's working, doing what the Word does. It is alive. You say, Brother, what do you mean it's alive? I mean, it's, it, it, it's words written on a page. Well, look what Jesus said. John 6, verse 63. John 6, verse 63. Jesus spoke of the written word being alive. He says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, what? They are spirit. They are life. Look at the next verse. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. What Jesus is saying is, the very words that I'm giving you, it's like life to you. If you'll believe it. Some of you may be sitting right here tonight. And you're wondering really what life is all about. You're wondering how you can have the life that you see others having. You can walk in the love and peace and joy of the Lord. You want to know 
what purpose you have in living. You, you, you're really wondering these things. Let me tell you something. Verse 63. It is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. Trust in who Jesus is. Trust in the living word. Listen, apply the written word. And you can have eternal life, which is abundant life. You can know the joy of the Lord that passes all. That, that, that joy and speak with full of glory. You can know the peace of God that passes all understanding. You can truly know purpose. You can know that. But you can't know it continuing in unbelief. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. Amen? Amen? Jesus said, the Word is alive. Hebrews 4 and 12 says it's alive, it's quick, and it's powerful. And then it says something else. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Dr. Adrian Rogers says this about the two-edged sword. I love how he puts it. He says you can do exploratory surgery with a sword. If you take a sword to somebody, you can really see what's on the inside, can't you? You know, that's what the Word of God does to us. It shows us really what's on the inside. It does it to me all the time. All the time. I, I tell you this. Continue. I'm going to keep telling you this truth. I, I don't want you to ever feel as though I'm coming out here and pointing fingers at all of you. Sharing the messages that God has placed upon my heart. I, that's not my purpose. That is not what I want to do. Let me tell you what I am. I am a beggar that's found bread. And all I'm trying to do is tell other beggars where they can find bread too. That's it. And I realize my need for grace and my need for mercy each and every day. And listen, before I can ever come out in the liberal message, I have to get on my face and say, Lord, forgive me. Work on me. I see where I failed you. And I am convinced that the majority of the stuff I receive is to me. Maybe if it's not for anybody else. It's God dealing with my heart. Why? Well, that word of God is doing that exploratory surgery. He's cutting down deep. And shaving off a little over here that don't need to be there. And smoothing up a little over there that needs to be smoothed up. And that's a continual work in my heart and life. And praise God for it. So the Word of God is a sword. But then it says it's a divider of the soul and the spirit. And of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what I think he's talking about there? The Word of God can divide attitudes and actions. 
It gets down deep where nothing else can. Let me tell you what I love about preaching the Word of God. The preaching of the Word of God coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit is what speaks to people's hearts and lives. Not necessarily how I say it. Not necessarily at all because of what I want to say. But the truth of God's Word changes hearts, changes lives, because it gets down deep where nothing else can. It's a discernment of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's amazing. Now, if we say the Bible is the Word of God, then we are saying that it's absolutely perfect. If we say the Bible is the Word of God, we are saying it has impeccable character, impeccable integrity. And if we are saying the Bible is the Word of God, we're saying it has absolute authority to do what's needed in our life. To discern our thoughts and intents. To divide our soul and our spirit. And that's Hebrews 4 and 12. Any comments or questions tonight?